Welcome to Two Takes on the Pod. My name is Osai, and this is my podcast where I take on themes exploring culture, society, and the experiences of Nigerians in diaspora. On this episode, we unpack NFTs. Non-fungible tokens are all the rage these days, and for most of us, it's hard to understand why. Yeah, you can get, definitely count me in there. Ekene, a close friend, is here with me today. He's an enthusiast, and he sits down with us to give his perspective on where he sees value, where he's cautious, and how he navigates this new type of asset. We pull references from some of the more notable NFT resources and experts to analyze what they're saying, and we try to figure out what bits of information we can use, because there's a lot of information out there, but it's just like, you know, if you're not getting it from an enthusiast, you're getting it from somebody or from an investor almost, you're getting it from a person who thinks this is costing too much, using up too much energy and it's not good for the environment. So like, I think there's a healthy in between and uh, Ekene is going to be here to really help us do that. And I've been bugging him for weeks, honestly, asking him mad questions and he's been very patient with me. So I think I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to try and wear his patience out today on your behalf. Okay, so uh, in, can I introduce yourself to the people a little bit? And, you know, and how would you describe your interest in crypto or NFTs? Uh, thank you, Osai, for having me on the podcast. Uh, before I start, I would like to say that I like what you've been doing with the podcast so far. Appreciate uh, it's it. Been, it's been good. I've, I've listened to some of the episodes and, you know, it's you know, pretty much up from, from here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly right. about nfts right now yeah people have been talking about nfts for a while and obviously 2021 this is when we when sorry when would you say NFT, people are talking about nfts for a while when because like i feel like your your understanding of the while is different from mine my while was this 2021 here what right. about you when did you kind of start seeing or hearing about it so I first heard about NFTs at that point. I didn't even know they were called NFTs. Was, no, they were called digital assets then. Uh, maybe they were calling the NFTs, but I didn't know they were called NFTs in 2017, right? That was when CryptoKitties came out. So for anybody that don't know what CryptoKitties are, they're basically digital cats, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can laugh at that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's extremely funny to me. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's so interesting because I was watching, uh, I can't remember his name. He has a very long name, um, but I think he runs uh, Dapper Labs. Right. And he he's essentially one of the people that started, uh, you know, CryptoKitties. And apparently he's the one that also did, did NBA Top Shot. Right. That's Roham. Uh, Roham is the founder of Dapper Labs. They first worked on CryptoKitties in 2017. At that time, it was in uh, the Ethereum blockchain. Mm. And... Uh, you know, there were a lot of buzz about it then, uh, basically in the crypto community and people that were really interested in creating this type of uh, new digital assets that are different different from cryptocurrencies. Mm. And at that point, it just sound very, you know, it, sound, it sounded very, I won't lie, it sounded very shady to me. Really? Because, yeah, because it's just like crypto kitties, like... It was, I would say two two things. It was shady and it was intriguing to me. Because right. in my mind, I'm like, why are people buying digital cards for like hundreds of thousands of dollars? It just didn't make any sense. And this me. was way back in what, 20, 2017? Well, so way back in 2017, right. CryptoKitties was already selling for this, this crazy numbers. Right. So I believe, yeah, they, you know, they created it first as the, you know, gamified, uh, you know, platform that you can sell different cards and i believe the first uh nft that is sell that they sold at the time was in december 2017 um and that cat that was the original cat that was owned by the uh owned by the palabs and they sold it for i believe around hundred thousand or just a little bit over the over that wow wow mm -hmm. so so okay so you, you so you're learning about these digital assets mm -hmm. and then you know i guess that's just kind of been what it's been right up to this point mm -hmm. okay so i, I want to get your definition of 
NFTs, like a comprehensive definition. Right. I've have something here. I'm gonna just read it and you know, I wanna get your thoughts on whether or not this makes sense or not. Okay. Right, right. So um, it's very, very comprehensive. So according to Terry Nguyen uh, from Vox.com, he describes it as, in his article, he describes it as non-fungible digital assets first are unique goods that don't have interchangeable value. Mm -hmm. The definition might seem abstract, but these kind of assets have existed since the early days of the internet. According to David Fincer, CEO of NFT Marketplace OpenSea, I don't know what that is, um, <laughs> domain names, even tickets, in-game items, even handles on social networks like Twitter or Facebook are all non-fungible digital assets. Um, they just vary in their tradability, liquidity, and interoperability. So he now says, so what transform an asset into a non-fungible token? Digital marketplaces like OpenSea and Known Origin have simplified the process for users who don't want to get into the weeds of blockchain technology. And they, they, he describes it as, think of blockchain as a sequence of records shared among a network that are both accessible and immutable, meaning no member can change or delete the data within them without invalidating the rest of the sequence. So artists and creators can upload and certify or mint any digital assets, 3D animations, video, video clips, tweets, music, all on the Ethereum blockchain. I'm curious if that actually exists on other blockchains. But they say that this process codifies the NFT, establishing a verifiable record of price, ownership, and transference and prevents the file from being digitally forged or replicated. Once it's uploaded, the NFT will exist permanently on the blockchain, as long as the chain remains in operation. That's another interesting point. As a result, no two NFTs are purely identical. Since each piece contains unique digital properties, even if an artist publishes two artworks with no clear physical distinctions, the metadata encoded in each NFT is different. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, if we are discussing the definition of NFTs, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would like to start with actually going by the definition of what fungibility means and how that applies to you know the blockchain and how that makes the whole digital assets a thing. Right? Okay, that's that's perfect because I, I didn't even like I just hear non fungible tokens and I'm just like great fungible. I don't know what that means. Right. So fungible or uh, fungibility means interchangeable, right? Mm. So that means you can change it for something of similar value, right? The number one example that they like to use in the NFT community is the dollar bill, right? So. <clears throat> <laughs> they, just look, they just like to take shots at like, <laughs> well, yeah, continue, sorry. Right, so imagine if we have five, two $5 bills, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you have your $5 bill and I have my $5 bill. Essentially, they're the same, right? Mm -hmm. And that means that, you know, they're fungible, meaning that you can interchange it. If we go to Tim Hortons and I use your $5 bill to buy coffee, it will be the same if I use my $5 or your $5. It's, it, there's no difference, right? That means that they are fungible, they are interchangeable, and they are the same. They have mm -hmm. the same value, mm -hmm. right? And then on the other hand is non-fungible. You know, uh, that means that, you know, different value, uh, meaning that you cannot interchange it. Right. So mm -hmm. another example you can use is if we walk into a car dealership and we buy a car, like let's say 2015 on that court, my car, <laughs> and uh, we drive it off the lot. Right. The time that we drive it off the lot, essentially, those two cars can be worth two different prices. Mm. You know, I can go in and get, you know, an upgrade to my car and you can get winter tires for your car. Or even if right. we, they're the same, even if they're exactly the same, once we drive it off the lot, if we sell it, if you want to sell it to someone that's different, or even if it's the same person, we can essentially sell that for two different prices, right? Mm. Meaning that you can't interchange it. They're not worth the same value, right? right. That's actually such a great example. I never, yeah, that makes sense. Right. And then... uh you know, just using that same example, you know, when we go into the dealership and uh, the dealership has some type of software or a ledger where they have all the information about both of us, right? right. You know, uh, Kenny walked into the dealership, he bought this car for $20,000. And this is the time when he walked in the dealership. This is how much he paid for it. This is, you know, the bank account, the dates and all that stuff. Right. So, you know, that 
transaction or that recording of transaction um, is essentially what blockchain is to mm. NFTs, right? That ledger that the dealership puts together to show information about that transaction is what uh, blockchain means to NFTs. So before uh, the blockchain, everything existed in the digital space, like um, not everything, but all the information that we put out, out there on the internet uh, existed in the digital space. Mm. But uh, there was no way to show who owned it. You know, like I can take a picture of this condo or, you know, the house that is close to my house and put mm. it up and someone else can use it. it doesn't right, they can just put it on yeah, Instagram just, and nobody really knows where the source is. Nobody knows where exactly it came from. And there isn't any way to prove that. Exactly. Exactly. So now the blockchain helps uh, identify or show a proof of ownership, certificate mm. of ownership to those digital assets. So for anyone that's listening, if that doesn't still make sense, I want you to picture uh, everything that right now that is on the internet, like a picture, text, music, video, anything that even the picture that you put out on Instagram or your tweets, anything that exists on the internet um, can essentially be an, an, an NFT. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, so right now it seems like it's, uh, all those digital assets, let's say are sitting in a pool on the internet mm -hmm. and the idea of blockchain is to basically connect them and make sure, you know, that they they have a proper assignment if they're deemed worthy of value by whoever the owner is exactly okay right. so so that's interesting so okay there's one thing i want to just touch on really quickly before we go further um this idea that like it will permanently exist on a blockchain all right the, so what if a blockchain becomes obsolete what happens then does that mean that this nft is, is completely obsolete or is there a way to transfer it to some other or do you have to reassign it or something like as that conversation or is that something you've seen explored or talked about at all Right. So there are platforms right now that if you say, for example, you print an NFT or you put out an NFT that you want to sell mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there's uh, a way to show proof of ownership that this is your NFT and this is how much you're selling it for. And if someone comes in and buy that NFT, uh, there's also a way to show that that person bought that NFT and uh, this is how much they bought it for. So there's always a track of proof of ownership for that nft so there's this other blockchain that's come out that's called solana mm -hmm. right and they're saying it's the faster version and i think you told me about one a couple of weeks ago i can't remember the name now um, i don't know if this is cordana or something like that okay so there are uh, a lot of blockchains right now mm -hmm. um some of them allow for the minting of nfts there is flow which is uh the one that was created by the Depa Labs, the guys that first started CryptoKitties. And yeah, that flow uh, has the ability to, you know, contain a lot of NFTs. They've minted NF uh, NBA Top Shots. Mm. Um, GP is on flow. Uh, there are some artists that have actually uh, minted some of their digital arts on the flow network. Interesting. Um, there's also Wax. Wax is uh, another big player in the NFT space. They have created their own blockchain uh, to enable anyone to create their own NFT in that blockchain. Um, they've also taken on some projects uh, of themselves. Uh, I think the main one probably Star Wars, um, MLB, and you know Street Fighter. Some big, oh, wow. uh, yeah, some big names or for some big companies have been able to use wax to uh, print their NFT, nfts and distribute it so hmm. in essence yeah ethereum was the first uh i would say blockchain that everyone used to mint uh nfts because the at some point they upgraded their technical their products and um, that enabled people to uh, mint nfts i think it's called erc20 yeah. And, and there's like we don't have to see yeah. like a whole bunch of different ones. Right. Well. And then we don't have to get into the details of the technical side no. of like technical side of things, but that was Ethereum was the first blockchain that enabled people to mint NFTs. And that's that will always remain a fact. But you know, there's also some companies that have been able to create their own blockchains uh to enable people to mint NFTs. 
Interesting. So uh, I guess now there is basically a fight for which blockchain to use coming right. into your NFT. Right. And why? Interesting. Right. And uh, just another note on that. Some of these blockchains enable for, you know, different capabilities, right? So um, I think when Ethereum started, there was just this idea of, or when Ethereum made it able to mint NFTs, there was this idea that it was just basically art and, you know, anybody that created art can mint NFTs on Ethereum blockchain. But mm. now we're seeing um, the sports world, you know, music uh, world, all minting NFTs through different platforms. So essentially, if you're looking into minting NFTs, you have to kind of look for which one will be very suitable for the product you're trying to bring to the market. Explore this idea of valuation, right? Um, recently, Beeple, and if you don't know who Beeple, he's a digital artist. His name is actually Mike Winkleman, and he sold a digital-only artwork NFT for $69 million recently. It's called Every Days, the first 5,000 days. And it was this project where he basically uh, put a collage of several years of sketches, and he had basically created a sketch every single day. So for, I don't know if it was like up to, I mean, 5,000 years, uh, 5,000 days. I don't know if that's like up to 10 years, right? Or more than 10 years, right? So he basically created this collage of every single art piece he worked on every single day and then threw it together and sold this as an NFT, right? Um, so I feel like there's an interesting analogy from a TechCrunch article exploring this, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Right. An auction house selling a $69 million JPEG is akin to a horse and a buggy driver strapping a small nuclear reactor to the top of the cab and declaring, this is an atomic buggy, as the horse continues to chug along, doing all the work. You get the attention of bystanders, but nothing has fundamentally changed here. Each of the headline-grabbing NFT sales seen recently are instances of exactly this kind of backward thinking, and the bystanders criticizing the buggy driver are saying, nuclear reactors are hype. Um, they are not really seeing the long-term implications or they just don't like horses. I don't, I don't get that last part. But um, he's basically saying that uh, there's something bigger at play here, even though you're seeing all this hype. Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on, on, on that statement there? Right. So, is, there, is there an overvaluation? Is there a bubble? Right. So, you know, it's, I, I stay away from saying anything is a bubble. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Um, I can definitely see there's an evaluation of, you know, assets. You know, for example, you know, real estate in Toronto right now is super high. <laughs> in my opinion, it's 100%. super overvaluation of it. And that doesn't look like it's going to change Exactly. At all. It doesn't look like it's going down. So that's one instance. But, you know, is, is, is there a bubble in NFT? For NFT? I, I, don't, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, I think... Um, you know, in order to evaluate if anything is a bubble, you kind of have to, you know, go further in history um, and kind of zoom out and see what ha happened then and, right. as, as, and, and compare it to what's going on at, at that point in time where you're at, right? So let's say, in essence, what I'm trying to say, we don't know if it's a bubble until the next 10, 20 years, right? Because it could be that it is a bubble, yeah, and, and that artwork by a people wasn't worth it or it could be that hey this was super underpriced and now we are seeing people buying that same artwork for like 100 million or 200 million right mm -hmm. so you know to say that it's it's a bubble it's uh you know, I, I don't know about that and you also if you look back at nfts where they started from right and look at where they are right now you can see that definitely that evaluations have gone up um, you know, from the start of CryptoKitties and uh, even though, yeah, th there was some that were selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, um, you know, till now and look at, like you mentioned, what people is selling, uh, what people sold his artwork for 69 million. Um, Jack Dorsey sold his first tweet mm. for over $2 million. Um, there's a hash mask, which is another digital art that sold for $60 million. Uh, CryptoPunks, which is, you know, uh, similar to... So CryptoKitties, right? CryptoKitties, in, in the sense that they were minted and, you know, limited. There was a limited amount that were minted. They're selling for millions of dollars. One sold for 
uh, 5 million and the other one sold for, essentially two sold for 7.5 million. And that's just kind of tell you that, you know, there is, yeah, there is an, I would say over valuation of what's going on right, right. now, but of, of NFTs, but um, essentially we don't know until we, you know, go further in history to see how that plays out. Yeah. And it definitely seems that the market is growing, right? right. So that, that also speaks because like, it's like, yeah, you say it's an, we, we, you know, it might be an overvaluation, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people who seem to be valuing it at this exorbitantly high prices. Right. Right. Even to the point where auction houses are supporting these sales, which right. I think is something, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. So, you know, I know this isn't your wheelhouse, but I'm curious what you think about what this means for artists and creators in the digital space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially as you see this whole NFT environment evolving. So one of the first things is uh, increasing valuation, right? Music streams are supposed to be great for artists, but they typically have little to no ownership, mm -hmm. while the lion's share is with the platforms and the labels. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not really a viable source for them, um, especially if you're an up-and-coming artist. Like, you're more likely to get real money from shows and other ventures, unfortunately. So we even saw Spotify at the start of the pandemic trying to do donations to artists because obviously we all knew that the music industry was really badly hit at that time. They couldn't do shows, they couldn't do events, all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like tokens may be a great way of supporting the artists, uh, you know, similar to the way like, you know, those artists sell merch or vinyls and ETC, but I'm not sure how it works functionally, you know, in this case, mm -hmm. right? Like unless you're, you could tokenize a song into iTunes or Spotify, I don't, I don't really see how the NFTs kind of provide values in that way. You know, do you, do you have any thoughts on this at all? Right. So, uh, NFTs have, you know, changed the way artists, uh, interact with their fans. Right. You know, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of changes in the music industry. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like even our, us that are consumers, we know that, you know, things have changed, you know, you, you have to put out music stream more, you know, put out those music videos and that's how you can, you know, basically connect to your fans. So yeah, they've I also been hoarding their content. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Sorry, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. We're waiting on some of those artists. You know what I mean? Really? Thank, yeah. Thank, yeah. Thank God for J. Cole. He just came through. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I think the pandemic kind of changed how uh, artists see the way they interact with their fans and, um, you know, looking at, some of those big artists like you know, Kings of Leon and uh, you know, looking at... Um, I think The Weeknd too did something. We Weeknd did something. Uh, Kings of Leon basically minted their album as an NFT and, and sold it to their fans. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, in essence, like NFTs are new to the music industry, right? Mm -hmm. They're very, very new. Um, they have been able to... Um, artists have been able to find a way to use NFTs either it's minting their artwork, um, music artwork, or, you know, some type of, you know, image uh, that you know, essentially acts as um, a product for them to sell to their fans. And they've been able to connect it with their fans that way. Um, you know, but I would say the kind of innovation that's going on right now is the idea of initial song offering. And that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Like initial coin offering. Or, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or public offering or something. Exactly. So, so what exactly is this initial song offering? So that's a way for artists to offer like a, a bit of their song. It could be like a 30 second or like one minute. Uh, bit. So just a small clip. Yeah. Just a small clip of their song to their fans. Um, the, the fans pay for it and then they get some percent, percentage of the total sale for the song or the album when it comes out. So that enables the artist to be able to raise funds for, okay. for, for, for the song or for the album and, and going go and produce it. And that eliminates the power that, you know, has been centralized uh, for the artist. Say, for right. example, before... Uh, for you need to produce a song or go big on a song, right. you know, you have to go through one of those Dev Jam or like Sony, right. one of those guys. But now with NFTs and, uh, you know, thanks to blockchain, uh, you can be able to, you know, connect to your fans, um, give them an opportunity to invest best, in your projects right. before it even comes out. Right. I think, I think that's really, really interesting, right? Because if you think about it, the, like that initial song offering, you know the way like people find artists right. and they're like, oh, 
what nobody knew about, like, you know, Drake or Cole or Kendrick when he came out. Mm -hmm. You know, this is almost like your digital proof of saying, no, like, I bought the NFT. Like, I bought it when he sent that first clip out of, you know, right. uh, swimming pools or something. Mm -hmm. And you're like, mm -hmm. you know, and you have the proof. You know, right. that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. so a lot of people are like, oh, I remember back when, when this person did something. Like, yeah, yeah, sure you did. Sure you did. <laughs> right. Found it. In, yeah, yeah. Didn't we all find him in 2011? What are you talking about? Right. right. So I think this idea of the NFT is just like, it, it not only is proof to people that, hey, I was involved, mm -hmm. like, really early on, but... Um, there's a tangible, like, there's also, like, I invested in this. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, some people will probably have some, you know, authority issues now right. <laughs> with, the, with, with the artist saying, oh, well, you know, I invested in your first artist, so you must sign my autograph or some mm -hmm. crap like that. But mm -hmm. I think that's really, really interesting. Right. You know, I think especially for 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 art from, like, music, right. I feel like that's that can be really, really, really powerful for sure. Right. Especially, I think we can see proof with the established artists, mm -hmm. but I think that's definitely something that can effectively trickle down to up-and-coming artists as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it kind of breeds this uh, complicated environment of how artists are going to start dealing with um, ownership mm. of their, first of all, of their music, of mm -hmm. their product. Because you can imagine, like, you know, the bigger artists that are already established, they don't need a label or anything to kind of make anything work. Right. Uh, they can easily just go in hey, this is my uh, initial song offering right. and I'm trying to release this album. You know, you can imagine that a lot of right. people will hop on that because right. they know that they're going to sell. Um, yeah, and then... Can you imagine Jay-Z doing an NFT oh, yeah. or Nas or Drake even like... You know? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know, it's just like... Because you don't know when you're going to get an album from them. Yeah, you exactly. You know what I mean? So if they just drop something like, oh, this is part of the project, mm -hmm. you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And then, you know, you know, for smaller artists, it's a little bit of uh, tricky for them to navigate because you can imagine, like, if you're trying to, uh, you know, make a song or an album and then you have a label that maybe you've already signed with for artist management or mm. for some type of uh, distribution deal in the past and then you go in and, you know, create a song, uh, you know, kind of uh, telling your fans that this is your initial song offering. I think it will create a lot of, you know, uh, confusion or like some type of battle that, or, or barrier, I would mm. say, for lack of better, for lack of better words, right. uh, barrier that, you know, for those small artists, uh, for them to, you know, hop on NFTs quicker. And that's why, you know, looking at the ones that have been able to uh, use NFTs, King of Leon, those guys are... <laughs> Big, I mean, established. yeah, right. exactly. And then you 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 find it difficult to find those ones that maybe have a record deal just up and coming. The other type of people that you see that will use NFTs will be the smaller artists that have not been recognized yet, and then it kind of makes it harder for them because nobody really knows who they are, right? And you know, I actually disagree, like okay. to to a small extent, right? Because you know. If you think about it, right, a lot of these guys also have, like, all these small upcoming artists have, like, niche fans, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know, there's some artists in the city here in Toronto where, you know, they probably have, like, 500 solid fans. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, they're, you know, that believe that these guys are going to blow up, they're going to make it. And, you know, they've been writing with them for two, three years, whatever the number of the years is, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like if those guys all buy a, an NFT for $5, 10 15 $20. Mm -hmm. That's a significant amount of money in the, in their, in, in, in the artist's bank, bank account. Right? Exactly. So I feel like, especially when you're starting off, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these artists, I think, have a real opportunity mm -hmm. where uh, the loyal fans gets a real opportunity to buy in, mm -hmm. right? And it's kind of like, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, missing the boat on Bitcoin <laughs> or all the other things that I've missed on, which sucks right. but you know that's besides the point um but the idea of like hey i was really into this artist um i remember when they were city i remember when i was going to danforth music hall and there were just 300 people there now they're selling out you know arenas, arenas. right so mm -hmm. you, that idea of having that nft there and really obviously wanting to support them because you would pay for their show right so it's also almost like the, even the idea of coupling a show with an nft thing now right. becomes something right because right. I, I think i saw somewhere like tickets could basically be nfts right exactly. so so to me i feel like that's a real opportunity for them in a way that might not be even like you know if it's just like if you think about it if you like dj college he sends out the clip it's like fam 
we're all gonna hear this in like three months. Oh, yeah. Like I'm cool. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like so, there there might be an interesting dyna- dynamic for for the bigger artists. I think like the more secluded artists, like maybe like a Kendrick, mm-hmm. that might have a little bit more value. Cool, maybe Drake. I don't know as much. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because he's a little bit more pop, more mainstream. Mm-hmm. So it's just like we'll wait for the album when it gets here, mm-hmm. right? So it'll be interesting to see how the bigger artists do it. Mm-hmm. But the smaller artists, like when you know that this is something that's is new and you know you never know they didn't my job this album and they blow up mm-hmm. you know so that 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 that's that is really exciting for me i definitely yeah. be looking out for that for sure yeah and in the on the corporate side we've seen uh square acquire uh title which is uh, jay-z st- uh, streaming music right uh, music streaming platform right, right? so I think uh, that's something that might they might be exploring the ability to distribute uh, music as NFTs. And I don't know, don't quote me on this, but right. I'm just speculating here, right? That that that's something that they could be um, working on. And if you look at Jack Dorsey, he's basically like you know Bitcoin champion. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you know, I don't see that. Um, not being a possibility. I see it being a possibility, right? right? So they 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 know what they're doing there. And I think that they've seen that NFTs are something that's going to be uh going to be big and going to be a thing in the future. And you know, I think them buying title is basically them exploring that opportunity. And if you look at the numbers, right? Like I saw an article the other day that you know artists have uh made over 70 million uh, in NFTs and most of that was in 2021. Wow. Yeah. So you can imagine how uh, big this can, this can get for right. artists, uh, you know, anybody at all that produces music. This can be a really good thing for them. Right, so for NFTs, right, uh, you have these platforms like OpenSeas, Rarible. Um, these platforms can show who owns the assets and how much they bought it for, when they bought it, um, uh, you know, and if they're planning to sell it and, and eventually sold it, who bought it. And they, there's a digital record of all that information right. um, in, in those platforms. So. Um, I think for NFTs, uh, the big question that I got, you know, one of the first NFTs that I hopped on was uh, NBA Top Shot. Right. And I, I, like I mentioned, I, I didn't know what NFT was in the past, but with NFT, with uh, NBA Top Shot, I was able to, you know, understand what an NFT was. Like I, I, at that point, it wasn't even clear to me that it was NFTs. Like it was just more like a video clip. And right. I yeah, was. Can you talk about like actually the platform right. as it is, and maybe you know maybe we can get into how it works. Right. So NBA Top Shot really taps into the uh, collectors of um, you know player cards. The, the the guys that collect player cards as an asset, and as well as the gamified idea of you know you can first of all own a moment an nba clip say for example lebron dunks or uh kawaii you know that famous kawaii three pointers against right. um, uh the clippers clippers yeah, yeah. yeah no 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 the sixers the sixers, sixers yeah yes yes where yeah. he he's everybody's like oh yeah exactly everybody's like that famous that clip amazing. yeah that so imagine owning uh, uh, you know, a clip of that, right? So that's what NBA Top Shot does, right? Mm-hmm. So it taps into these um, collectors who already collect NBA player cards. Could be NBA, could be MLB, could be NFL, right? These 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 people already collect um, player cards, and also, but further than that, it's a moment, right? It's a clip uh, that you can own and showcase on anywhere, you know, social media sites, and you know, essentially bringing value to the uh, NBA world. So, you know, for me, I've always wanted to own some type of digital card as an asset. I don't know. I always found it interesting. Like maybe it's from when I was small or something like that, but I've always found it interesting. And I can remember sometime last year, I was actually driving to work and I was like, oh my God, like I have to own a card. Like it, it just felt very intriguing to me, right? Like, I, yeah. Did you ever own like Pokemon cards or like, um, you know, you know, really like they have like MLB baseball cards. Never. Baseball cards, like they sell for millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like this is the kind of 
market that is essentially probably going to respond positively to this. Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind that's the market that they tapped to that tapped into. Mm. So those those um, people that uh, collect cards and are NBA fans. You don't even need to be an NBA fan. Just the idea of the products and if you're a collector will be intriguing to you. Mm. So to me, like, I remember that day, I was just like, you know what, I want to own a card and I wished it was digital. And this was what happened that day. I went home and I searched for a digital card. I searched for, because I'm also a UFC fan, um, and I searched for pretty much any digital card that you can find. Mm. And... Uh, at that point, I just didn't get any information about digital cards, and I don't know why. I, but I really did search. Interesting. And then I don't know what happened. It might be you know Google, you know marketing to you, <laughs> anticipating, that, and, yeah, anticipating <laughs> or whatever. And then for some reason, I saw NBA Top Shot, and this was super early. This was super early. That's why you got all those good cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, disclaimer. Every, uh, can I tell me about this stuff? And it's like, I've been trying for weeks. <laughs> and I'm never making it to the front of the line to buy the damn card. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so enough about me. You were just talking about how you were basically going on Google and trying to search for, uh, you know, cards, NBA cards. So the time that, you know, Google ma- you know, magically presented this to you, right. what, what happened then? How, what, how did you kind of go about getting the cards? Right. So... At first, I wanted to buy it almost immediately, mm-hmm. right? But I had doubts, and um, I just anyone I showed at the time it was like, oh, I can just go on YouTube and play the play the the damn clip. Like, why do I need to buy it on you know some site like that? Right. And then, but they just didn't understand it, right? And mm-hmm. I can't really explain it to them how intriguing this is for me, anyway. So I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm not the context you have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I already had, I guess, pretty knowledge of collecting and and tokens uh, and, and, tokens and yeah, all that stuff. Totally like, I also something else to say is I was also aware of Crypto Kitties from 2017, right. so that put everything in context for me, and mm-hmm. I understood that uh, this could be, you know, bigger than it is right now. So, um, and it was. <laughs> Sorry, after a couple of weeks <laughs> but yeah so um I, I didn't put in a lot of money i just like you know bought whatever i could afford at the time and you know and then when i bought it i'm like you know what i don't know if this is real i'm just gonna try and resell this and see if it works so i bought it and then i put one up in the marketplace it stayed in the marketplace for two weeks. I basically forgot about it. And then after two weeks, I came back and I saw that it was sold. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> that was too easy. <laughs> you mean I bought this for this and then I sold it for like, you know, higher than the price? And then I bought a lot more. <laughs> As you should, man. Prove that theory. And then I bought a lot more. And um, basically from December 2020 to like... February 2021, the NBA Top Shot marketplace just ballooned into like a whole new beast that people were buying moments for like thousands of dollars. Someone sold LeBron James moment for over 250K. Um, you know, if you go in and see the records and look at the records, the, the sales records, you see how much people have spent on NBA Top Shot. I think sometime as of april they already sold close to 400 million worth of nba top shot um yeah you know that that whole thing just became more intriguing to me and i know right now that there's a lot of talk about the marketplace being diluted and you can get moments for like one dollar or whatever but you have to understand or, that or you can't get into the, to the marketplace either <laughs> or you can't get into the marketplace exactly <laughs> yeah or you have to understand for that. cheap anyway you can actually go in and buy stuff it's just like uh, i want to get the value packs that, yep. that come with like three or and like one random special one like, yeah and that's not that's just not been a possibility for, <laughs> yeah. for a while now. Yeah. But again, enough about me. <laughs> no, you're right. And they've made it harder too, right? They, they're trying to reward collectors, people that started from the beginning. And I, don't, I understand how that could not work for, you know, somebody that's trying to get in who is also an NBA fan and, you know, also want to collect. That They made it super hard now. But yep. yeah, yep. there's, there's, uh, there's, I think there's a lot of value in NBA Top Shot. And, you know, what people have to understand is that this whole NFT thing is new. Like it's, it's literally been in the market for less than a year. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just have to, you know, even 
uh, with the moments that I buy now, I kind of, I'm very skeptical about everything. Um, I have, I, I do believe that NFT will be a thing in the future. Like it will be bigger than it is right now, but obviously, uh, with the way market works every day, you know, sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. And with uh, uh, the, the valuation right now for MP Topshop going down, uh, it doesn't really mean that it won't be bigger than it is in the future. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that like, you know, I think a big deal for me, when you told me about this for the first time, I think what really sold me on it was that the NBA itself ha is working with, I guess, Dapper Labs or like to to provide these shots. So these are official NBA, you know, shots, right? They're not, they're not, they're not just anybody can go in and record from sitting down on the side of the of the court and be present this. Right. Like it's really the NBA's licensed photographers, videographers, all of that stuff, essentially distributing this here. So I think there is something to be said about that. Now, if you're not appeal, you know, if you're not into the NBA, if you're not a collector of any kind, then this may not appeal to you. Right. But, you know, it's also probably a good store of value, depending on how large the market or the community is. So I think that's really, you know, where I, I see some real value you know, existing and persisting. And one of the things to me is just like, maybe there's a rookie now that becomes, you know, the next goat, and we don't really know it, you know, and maybe next year or so when they're, you know, their sophomore year, they just start playing like crazy, right? All of a sudden, this person's rookie shots, rookie cards will probably go up, you know, drive up, right? And for example, I think when we were talking last time, uh, Luka Doncic was probably one of the highest selling moments there. And the reason why was because everybody felt like he was the next guy, mm -hmm. right? You know, he bought his he bought out last playoffs in the in the bubble. And I think everybody was kind of bullish on him develop, you know, developing much faster. Cause he's like what? He's not up to twenty yet, is he? No, I think yeah, he's like nineteen or something, yeah, nineteen or twenty. 20 yeah. So so that's just to give you an example. Um but just the, this idea of the NBA Top Shop marketplace uh, is another thing that that intrigues me, and it's not with them in particular because I think I understand it for the most part. But some of the you know one of the problems that I've been raised by observers is the community concern um, interoperability. So what I mean by that is like you know working in different platforms and how to like show off your wallet, right? Mm -hmm. So so there, I want to pull from this article, and it says. It's as if we have a bunch of different companies, not only inventing the light bulb, but also inventing their own light sockets and wiring protocols. And each one is insisting that they are the best and they will win out in the end. Light bulbs are great, but we can please agree on one socket. This beautiful new economy would never get off the ground unless we build a neutral interoperable network. And this network needs to be fearless and scalable. What are your thoughts on that? So are the uh <clears throat> saying that there are a lot of blockchains that nfts can run on right now or? yeah i mean i think it ties into what we're talking about right like mm -hmm. so dapper labs has created flow mm -hmm. from what from our conversation dapper labs has created flow which mm -hmm. nba top shots exist on they created uh crypto kitty before which i believe existed on ethereum mm -hmm. right so the idea is um what if i want to sell a crypto kitty for a moment mm -hmm. or vice versa or same with the crypto punk or these other different digital assets you know where does that happen is is really the question i'm asking mm -hmm. and you know is that something that there could be a solution for in the near future and i don't i'm not expecting to have the answers for this but mm -hmm. just how are you seeing that you know looking yeah. forward i mean i think competition is good um for innovation right like is it good for the customer though like is it good if you're you know this blockchain only ends up being used good for and useful for this one thing and mm -hmm. nothing ever happens after you know yeah well it is well i understand where there's what they're, what they're trying to say because um you know if i want to buy something where is that just one stop shop for right. everything but that's the whole idea of you know blo blockchain we don't want there is no centralized place to get uh everything right that you need so you know having ethereum you know people have raised their concerns about the energy use and how much you know, obviously the fees are um you know having flow wax and those other guys come into space and say you know what we think you can do this a little bit better um we think you can transact on flow without having to pay so much in fees mm. um you know same thing as wax right so i think it's good i personally don't have any problem with that i think uh, uh 
you know, having that option to go any way that you want to use any of those um, platforms that you want is a good thing. Um, it's good for competition. It's good for the consumer. So Okay. So I mean, maybe it's not ideal right now, but it's mm-hmm. basically going to eventually be good for the comp- uh, for the consumer. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I always like the idea of competition full stop right. because it forces whoever is the service provider to think about the customer first. Yeah. I think that's the only way that happens. If you have some sort of a Google type situation where everybody right. runs there, mm-hmm. um, then you know they get to bully everybody else, set exorbitant prices, yeah. and nobody has any choice but to pay. So yeah, exactly, and that's what we're point. seeing in traditional tech right now. Mm-hmm. And like that's you mentioned, right. Apple, Microsoft, those guys have, and you can say it's monopoly at this point at because this point, <laughs> monopoly is a dual police, right? You know, exactly. Like, you know, they all it? agree on whatever price point they want to put you at, and yep. that's what it is. Exactly. So I, I think blockchain coming in um, and having that decentralized way of doing things and having more players in the game is is good. So, I, I mean, I don't have any issues with that. Okay, I have, I have a quick, stupid question, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, when people buy art, right? Like, you go in, you buy a Picasso or a Monet or Van Gogh, I don't know if you, you know you know what it is, right. or maybe Nigerian artists, maybe a Chidima or Nolly, like, mm-hmm. I, I really like her artwork. But, like, you can buy it and you can go show it off, um at home, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people can come in and see them like, wow, you know? But with these digital assets, it's a little bit different, right? Like you're going to have to sign into your thing on the computer. I don't know if they have mm-hmm. an app yet. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to sign into your thing on the computer and then come say, okay, here's my wallet. I'm like, show them these things, mm-hmm. right? Is that a frustration for you? Or are you just like, whatever, it's fine? You know, uh, how, how, how do you feel about that? I'm just curious. Yeah, to me, it's fine. Like it's, it's, not, really, it's not really a big deal. You can show it off on your social media platform. But I think there are also some uh development on how to create a div- uh, digital like a display digital display that you can put in your home and show some of your uh digital arts so uh you know I, you know like first of all everything is everything that we do right now is all digital right like for the most part yeah, yeah for the most part like um except for what we humans have to do for ourselves right like but every <laughs> other that thing is, <laughs> that is even yeah. going digital right, right. so like if you think about how long that we spend on our phones and laptops and you know tablets, you see that we spend a significant amount of time uh, on these devices. And you know, like I mentioned, if you think about uh, having those digital assets, you know, exist as a different world, you know, you understand that there's really no limit to these things. Like you can share a picture on your social media and say, you know what, I own this art and someone can be like, you know what, I don't believe you. Well, you can tell the person to go check, right. check, click on this link, check. Like if you're that pressed it. about it, go check. Exactly. If you're that pressed <laughs> about it, go check. Right. Right. There's, there's a, you know, a record of all these things. Um, and that, that's what makes it special, you know, thinking about what, uh, how the digital world ex- uh, exists and um you know having its own thing going on and i always try to like separate it from digi- the physical world because right. I-, I think it just makes it easier for me right, right. I- I mean, and, it, and it is not in the physical world right? yeah so, exactly so okay so one thing that's very interesting now that you're talking about it is like i noticed something right where like there were some digital um, digital art shows where they would have whatever this NFT is, even if it was like a video type of, you know, GIF type of NFT, mm-hmm. and it would be on a on a on a frame on the wall, and it would just basically be the video playing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is a possibility that in the future, mm-hmm. you know, your top shot could literally just be in your house, like on a frame, exactly. and then like just basically you see just LeBron dunking, dunking. again and again mm-hmm. and again, which I think is pretty cool. Too, yeah, I you know? think so. So that, yeah. that that might be an interesting thing where like maybe they have these these products that mm-hmm. you know not not necessarily a tv but maybe something else that kind of just allows you to loop that consistently absolutely right? yeah yeah, yeah that, and then there's already, there's already something like that it might not be as uh mainstream, prominent, right. uh, mainstream as it is right now but you know i, I know that uh, people are working on stuff like that things I want to just talk about like so we kind of talked about the idea of competition with um, corporate 
players in NFT. Do you see any any you know any uh, interesting things? Like some of the ones I think about is like Christie's Auction House. Mm-hmm. You know, they've basically jumped into the game, and they I think they were the ones that sold the uh, the Beeple one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sotheby's another auction. No, no, no. It's literally only two of them. It's literally Christie and Sotheby's. Like mm-hmm. It's that's another duopoly. But um, they they essentially are are getting into the game too. So you know, what do you think is the value proposition for these guys? I mean, yes, it's, it's lots of lots of money. Mm-hmm. But why do you, what what do you think is um, motivating these big corporations to jump in so early mm-hmm. compared to what normally happens. Normally they wait to like for like three or four years or something before they decide that they I mean I guess technically if you've been saying this since 2017, <laughs> it has been three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I want to get your thoughts on that. Right. So I think if they're jumping on it right now, they're basically looking at the future and you know listening to young people and you know what they like. So if you look at Christie's auction hub, they've been there for like how many years? Literally now? over 220 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that tells you that they must be doing something right, mm-hmm. right? Like if they're still in the game and going strong and basically leading this whole art NFT space. Right. Yeah, that, that, that tells you that they're doing something right. And, and they see something real. Yeah. And they see something, right? So right. I do think that uh, there are some companies in the corporate world that are jumping, in, jumping on NFTs right now. And, um, you know, it only tells me that... First of all, verifies to me, anyways, me that don't know much about art, that this can be a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it also tells me that, um, you know, there's the, the future for NFTs. There's a future for NFTs, right? Because if they're basically putting their name on it and saying that, you know, we, we're auctioning this out, you know, it's kind of like a proof of, of you know, first of all, authenticity and also that, you know, to encourage anyone to jump on it but also like what i would like to say is um you can see that individuals are also jumping on these things now right mm-hmm. people are looking for art uh, rare art on anywhere any platform twitter mm-hmm. which you know is the main platform where people are looking for these things and they're buying it out right now so um with any amount the digital artists um on the internet that exist and they're looking to sell their artwork and uh nfts is a way for them to sell that artwork to the the common person that might not have that million or billions of dollars but right. you know i willing to pay something for them uh, i read an article about basically two artists two digital artists that have made you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in just two years but just by selling their digital art um, as know, NFTs. As NFTs. So you can see that that creates an opportunity for uh, digital artists and as well as uh, the buyers, the consumers, people that buy uh, those kind of assets. Hmm. So you never know. Those uh, That art that you bought, that we bought from that digital artist might be worth like, you know, a million dollars in the future. You, you just never know. But what I've realized is that you can, you just have to be very into these things you have to be very passionate about you have to know what you're buying um you know you have to be paying attention. yeah you have to be paying attention to the community and mm. see who's selling what and you know yeah and, and make your own choice yeah exactly so do you are there any other corporate players that you might you know, want to touch on or explore just that you know in this nft game as well right so i know that people should look out for yeah, Chamat is uh, someone that has been buying NFTs. Um, I think he mentioned he created a fund to just explore NFTs and get, uh, you know, uh, buy uh, digital art from the artists. Um, okay, and this is Chama Papalatia. Yeah. I think I screwed up yeah. his last name. But he's a, he's a tech investor. Right? Yeah, he's and a very tech investor. very popular on Twitter. He's yeah. A, he's a big uh, tech bro, investment bro, crypto yeah. bro. Yeah. yeah. He's a <laughs> B-Lonier. <laughs> That's key. Yeah. That's key. Yeah, so there's Chama. Um, there's also some other people that, you know, I'm not really into that art world, but I know that, you know, yes. when I go on these uh, platforms, I see, people talking about it and right. people making people even showcasing their arts you know people having like hundreds of arts just showcasing them interesting they are specifically to buy art as an investment as an investment or as an nft 
or as an well as an NFT, like okay, okay, but okay, you're creating these investment funds to buy. Okay, that's what you mean. I right. see. Okay, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Um, right. one of the more interesting ones I've seen um is the Winklevoss twins, right? Mm-hmm. The Winklevoss twins gained their notoriety from being screwed over by Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> yeah. uh, when he started Facebook at Harvard, right? Right, right. And those guys have been in the tech game since. And uh, one of their biggest things is they created Nifty Gateway. So the reason why I found, I'm talking about them is because I found this. One of my favorite um, artists uh, is this guy called Daniel Asham, right? And he, you know, he's done stuff for Dior. He's He does this ideas of these, like, um, worn sculptures, right? He paints them and actually builds them as well. So the link of us twins enlisted um, Daniel Asham to do a, essentially create an NFT and he has this really cool concept where um, he explores this concept of time on the NFT. So each video, he has like three different videos. One is for like maybe a few minutes. One is for like a whole day. And then one is for like a, like, like a, like if a bunch of years. I don't know. I think it's like up to a thousand years. Where like the NFT, you know the way the NFTs are basically gifts and they loop around, right? So it's called seasons. And you basically see the seasons evolving like mm-hmm. um, in the background of the sculpture as sculptures deteriorating. Yeah. So... He, he basically that's, that's the idea or the concept that they're going to be putting out. I think, I think they're putting it out sometime in May. Wow. And hmm. I <laughs> just are, thought those are going to be super expensive. I can imagine because <laughs> like, the stuff is already super expensive, right? right? Very limited. He does big brand partnerships. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was also an interesting play by him because Nifty Gateway is a marketplace that sells NFT art, right? So to me, like that's another interesting play, where, like how these guys are essentially trying to bring attention to their platform and what kind of artists they're able to bring into play in that space, mm-hmm. right? Because he typically does physical sculptures, brand partnership, he normally builds things, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that develops, where people respond positively to it mm-hmm. and what other kind of ideas will come up in the future. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's such an intriguing side of things because I, I can imagine that, you know, creating these platforms uh, where you can buy NFTs, you want to attract people to these platforms, right? Like uh, bringing in those established artists right. to, 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 to sell on the platform will be something that's, I will see how that competition goes. But yeah, I, th- I think that's intriguing. Okay. Um, well, I think you answered all of my questions, the good ones and the stupid ones, but I really appreciate you coming and taking the time and just sharing your thoughts, sharing your ideas and, uh, you know, just being a good sport about everything. And I, you know, before you go, uh, we typically like to, you know, have a take from the guest. Um, I will also give my take, but I'll give that later after I've mulled over everything you've said today. <laughs> but um, I'm curious, what, what would your be, final take be? You know, what, what would you want to leave people with regards to, you know, NFTs or, you know, just how to approach uh, maybe exploring the market, what they should leave thinking about? You know, what would that final take be? Right. I'll say, you know, first of all, keep an open mind. Um, this is new. It's new to everybody. And there is no one, you know, there's no one thing that maybe we can look at that explains it all to you, right? It's, it's so massive. NFT is so massive that, um, you know, like, for example, I'm in the sports world, so I really like to double on sports NFTs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a lot of people double on the art NFTs, right? That's in the entirely different space that operate differently. Uh, you see the sports world are a little bit more gave, uh, gamified mm. and uh, collection-based. Then they, the art ones are still collection based, but like they're not, they're not like, you know, the way you have to collect cards or like moments right. and all that stuff. So right. they're, they're different, right? There's even there's genies. There's a more tradable aspect of that that might not exist. In exactly. The one, right? So there's even genies that, you know, look at uh, celebrities launching uh, their NFTs and, mm. you know, having to create, you can create a, you know, an avatar or, you know, some type of character that you can use like the uh, crypto punks and the crypto punks yeah but this is more interactive in a sense that they can exist in the metaverse you know different world for them so (laughs) i know is that like I don't know? Is that like Fortnite or something? Like I don't. Know. Yeah, it's like Fortnite, right? Or, it's like Fortnite. Uh, so or just, Sims or something. Exactly, like, yeah. Sims, right? So you can imagine there's just so many things that are coming up, and there's like a lot of things popping up here and there. Mm. You know, changing 
uh, the way we interact with the g- digital world. Mm. So I would say just keep an open mind. Um, you know, just going back to your questions about you know my two takes. Mm-hmm. You know, for me uh, specifically, this is new to me. So um, and I'm really, you know being open-minded to what I can get out of this, right? Like, you know, whether it's collecting or an investment, which I do both, by the way. And, um, you know, also I'm really intrigued by how this will change the way we interact with each, uh, first of all, the digital world and by ourselves, Uh. right? So I'm just really excited about the technology, about how this will change culture uh, forever, and uh, what will what value this will bring to the world? I mean, you can look at NFTs, the market cap. I think as a twenty, no, tw- yeah, this year in April is already about two, three fifty, four hundred billion, and that's. I'm oh, sorry, what? Yeah. Is it four hundred fifty billion? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean- and the whole crypto space is two point two trillion, some somewhere around that. Okay. Yeah, you can. Sure. Yeah, you can imagine like, and this is growing rapidly. Just thinking that this only became a thing in 2017, how rapidly this has grown. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm just really interested to see the world of NFTs and how that will change the digital landscape forever. Yeah, and uh, something else to keep in mind is that this is new, and if um, if you're looking to get into it, just know that you know like every market there's ups and downs you know you take everything you you find with a grain of salt and you know just explore and you might not even want to put your money into it but just like you know looking you know just right. maybe follow one or two people on twitter and see what they're talking about you know before you can uh, double down and put money on it yeah fair enough Fair enough. That was uh, quite a few takes, but I think they're all very much appreciated. <laughs> um, and can I thank you for taking the time out to have this conversation with me in person, by the way. Um, it's been great. And I think I've learned a lot from the conversation. I think I, I, I can see the world a little bit better. And I really hope that everybody who's heard this can see it as well. At least see it a little bit better. And it's not as foreign. It's not as novel to them and hopefully they can find the value that they can extract from this whole experience because um i think what's clear is that you know it's really a symptom of something that's coming even if it's not exactly what you're seeing right now so um i think it's very i think it'll be valuable for most people to pay attention and and you know and try and get the most out of this experience you know absolutely and uh thank you for having me on the show um, yeah, hopefully I'll come back. <laughs> oh no, you will. <laughs> In the future, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, thank you, and guys, it's been two takes on the pod. Thank you for listening. Peace. One more thing, guys. I think Akene has a special surprise for you. I'll let him tell you about it. All right. So I'll be giving away a free NFT. It's an NBA Top Shot moment. It's Precious Achua's moment from a series two B sets that uh, NBA Top Shot released uh, a couple weeks ago. That's amazing. Um, I'm super excited. I wish I could get in on this action, but I'll leave that for the listeners. So guys, all you need to do is create an account on NBA Top Shot and then go to uh, the episode drop on Instagram for this for this episode essentially and type in your top shot username uh, the winner will be announced on the Instagram account later on the two takes on the pod Instagram account you obviously have to be following and obviously like the comments right if you're hearing this you have a shot at basically getting this thing for free so hurry up and don't miss out on the opportunity peace another episode now first up big thanks to Kenneth for being generous with this time knowledge and the nfts as well huh good luck on the draw guys now my take i'm hoping after this episode you have a decent idea of what nfts are about but more importantly how it could work for you in the near future my feeling on nfts is that it's proven itself to be attractive to collectors 
It's also the first application layer that we see existing on a blockchain beyond the actual coins or tokens themselves. It feels more like an update to the smart contracts. So if you're a collector among a legitimate community of collectors in a digital marketplace, of course, there may be a real opportunity here to secure pieces. If your brand is big enough to have collectors for your digital products, that might be something to consider or at least pay attention to for the time being. For everyone else, it might be worth paying attention simply because this may impact your digital experience online. Yeah, I think that's my general perspective on it. I think it's unfinished. I think it's still evolving. Um, but I do think it's worth paying attention to because of the opportunities it might present for um, less established digital creators or creators of all kinds who want to distribute their work digitally. You can share your feedback by writing to two takes on the pod at gmail.com. Too much stress, no problem. Follow me on social media at two takes on the pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can shoot me a DM there. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And while you're there, show some love and give this five stars. This has been Two Takes on a Pod. Thank you for listening. Peace. Mm-hmm.